0: All right, I am going to offer just a bit of a ref- more of a reflection than a talk, um, and a way of um, sort of engaging with this moment that we're in at New Year's Eve today. I'm like, I I love New Year's Eve. I, I know lots of people don't love it. Uh, um, I, I like, it's my bright like, favorite moment in the year. I just love all the, like, reflecting on stuff and looking ahead with vision and trying to trust God with stuff. And I just want to share something that I've found, uh, like, a helpful way of kind of engaging with this moment in the year. Um, and it comes from uh, one of my favorite writers, a guy called Ronald Rolheiser. He's a Catholic spiritual writer. Um, and he has this um, framework, basically, for um, basically reviewing our spirituality and, and, and how we're Doing internally um, and, uh, and he uses the Easter narrative to do that basically and if, uh, if you saw on the WhatsApp, I sort of gave a heads up about what we were going to be doing today and I think it 's really important <clears throat> i 've shared this picture before, but there was this one time I was in cookie in my kitchen, and I looked across my eldest son Arlo, and he was, he was he had this blank sheet of white paper on the table. Um, and, uh, and he was on this wooden table and he started to get this crayon, like wax crayon, you know, and you like color with the side of it and you sort of sweep it across. And he was trying to draw something brand new on a fresh page. Uh, and he was trying to draw a dinosaur or something like that. And he just sweeps it across. And as he did it, the grain of the table came through. So to him, he was picking up a fresh crayon on a fresh pe- piece of paper to draw something that he was planning to draw. But this grain came through the, the, into the image. Um, and I think this is something I want to pick up on as we sort of head into the new year. Pete Scazzaro talks about it's impossible to be spiritually mature whilst remaining emotionally immature. It's impossible to be spiritually mature whilst remaining emotionally immature. And, and so what, what I find helpful at this time of the year is to is to look at, as we head into the fresh blank piece of paper that is 2024, where we're like, right, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, it's going to look like this, and I've got a fresh start and all this sort of stuff. Well, to a certain degree, that's true, but actually there's going to be grain coming through the paper. And I think this is a moment to become emotionally aware of the last year as we try and grow in spiritual depth in the next year. And I find the framework that Ronald Rollheiser uses to do this like, extremely helpful. And so what we're going to look at today, I'm going to try and go quite quickly through this. Um, we're going to look at basically through the Easter story. So you've got Holy Week from like Palm Sunday builds up to Good Friday, and in that moment, I oh, don't. Oh, well, I'm going to use all my time explaining it once. Let me just go through it. I'm going to go through five things. Should we go for it? I'm just basically realised it's like, like a ticking clock, isn't there? Once those, once those things are done, I have to be done. So I was thinking, actually, don't explain it twice. Let's explain it once. Right, let's do this. Holy Week. Okay. This is about looking back, understanding the grain that's going to come through the paper about unmet expectations of what God is like in this last year. Holy week, transport yourselves back to Jerusalem, that first holy week. There's a buzz in the city, right? This is the great city's greatest moment of the year. And everyone is gathered together. There's a palpable sense of excitement and expectation in the city. There's rumors buzzing around the place because the Jews were expecting a savior. That's why they gathered in Jerusalem at Passover, because that's when they're expecting a Messiah to come back and save them. And so they gathered there. Waiting for their new hero, their new king, their saviour to come, right? But especially this year, of all the recent years, there was this an extra sort of level, an extra volume to the excitement because Jesus had been knocking about. And so not only were they saying, is there a saviour coming, they're wondering, is it, is it, is it Jesus? Is Jesus the Savior? He's just raised Lazarus from the dead. And so they all gather into Jerusalem, and, the, and you may be familiar with the story as he approaches Jerusalem. And they're singing Hosanna, which means save now. Um, and they're waving palm leaf branches and they're singing Psalm 118. And this is really significant um, historically because about 200 years before this, um, there had been a, a ruler and oppressor over them called Antiochus of Syria, an oppressive regime oppressing the jews and um and what happens is there's the there's something called the maccabean revolt and judas maccabeus leads this revolt and overcomes antiochus of syria and liberates the jews and so 200 years previous to this what happens is is the maccabean brothers they ride into jerusalem and they're riding on these stallion like war horses and they've got their sword, their, you know, all of their weaponry, um, showing how triumphant in battle they had been over Antiochus of Syria. Um, and what happens is they line the route and they're waving palm leaves, which is a symbol of, the, of like, victory. Um, and they're singing Psalm 118 and Hosanna, Hosanna save now. And he rides in. And so what's happening, again, they're gathered in the same way, with the same level of expectancy, 200 years on, thinking we're under another oppressive regime in the Romans. And it's like, we need to be liberated, we need to be liberated. And, uh, and so they're expecting a new Judas Maccabeus to, 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 to ride on in, in the form of Jesus, on a stallion with weaponry, here to save the day as their sort of like warrior king. But fast forward to that moment and what happens. Jesus, probably still wet on the face from the tears he experienced as he looked over Jerusalem and looked at it, rides in on a donkey, a symbol of humility. And so as, they, as, as that week moves on, this idea of what the king might be like begins to get stripped away. And so, oh, he's not on a war horse. There's no weapons in sight. And then he arrives in the city and he starts to serve the poor, and be with the wrong people, and and wash feet. And he doesn't fight back, and he doesn't incite insurrection. And he doesn't give an answer at the courthouse. And actually, where the Romans were fearful of his power, the Jews became fearful of his weakness. And he was beginning to look not like The person they thought he would be, the God, the King, the Messiah, they thought he would be. And so the same crowd that are on a Sunday singing and shouting Hosanna, that same group a few days later on the Friday are outside the courthouse shaking fists, saying crucify him. Crucify him. Jesus turns out to be a disappointment. It doesn't meet their expectations. It doesn't turn out the way that they thought it would. And I want to ask you in this last year, I would, I would, I would guess, I was going to say hedge your bet, but we're, not meant to, but we're not meant to bet. Everyone has had a moment in this last year where frankly God didn't turn out to be who you thought he would be. He didn't act in the way you thought he would act. He didn't answer something in the way that you thought he would answer it. He didn't do it as quickly as you hoped that he would or in the way that you thought he would. Jesus, God has somehow in this last year inevitably been a disappointment to us. If we don't acknowledge those, this is about naming things. If we don't name that, I promise you, that grain will come through the blank sheet of paper in the year ahead. You will carry that through, and you think, all right, fresh start, fresh start, but well, if he didn't answer it there, well, I may not even start to pray it here. Hey, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not, he didn't do it here, so I'm not going to ask it here in 2024. 20, and he, and oh, I felt really unloved here, so maybe he doesn't love me as I thought he would. And he started to live out of different identities in the year ahead. The reality is, is that God was a disappointment because they were trying to design him in their image, what they needed him to be like and look like. And we can do that all the time, right? We can make God in our image, what we want him to look like. He's going to be God because he's going to do this. And it's going to look like this. And I think there's just an invitation to look back at the pain of the disappointment uh, and, and just name it and bring it before him into the year ahead. And there's also an invitation to question actually where Has God been a disappointment because I designed him? I required him to look like this. And he didn't because actually he doesn't ride a war horse. He rides a donkey. Doesn't come fighting with weapons, but with humility and service. And he sheds his own blood rather than others' blood to start a revolution. He's way better than we can design him to be. So I want to say, first thing, as you stop off, as you go through the Eastern narrative, you're like, okay, where has God been a disappointment? I believe that grain will come through the paper if we don't get a hold of it and deal with it uh, today and into the next week. Secondly, you arrive then a good Friday at, at death. Starting very cheery. I, I, I do acknowledge that. Matthew 27:50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Jesus actually died. Jesus actually died. Can you imagine the pain of that moment? The loss of that moment? The, the, the dream, the hope suddenly shattered by that moment. Again, we will all have in the last year experienced, maybe connected to the last point I was making, but experienced death of sorts. Grief, loss of sorts in the last year. It's important to name what you have lost. Look them in the face. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 describes the Christian position towards hope, which is we do not grieve like those without hope. The Christ, to, be, to inhabit the story of hope that is Jesus, we, we, it means we grieve. We do grieve, but we grieve with hope. How can you look at the losses in the last year? with God that they that you can properly grieve them but grieve them with hope your year ahead will be largely shaped by what you do with the pain from the year that's just passed grain coming through the paper you'll have heard us talk a lot here at St. Basil's about how we either let God transform our pain or we will transmit our pain onto others we let God transform it or we will transmit it. Here's five quick things for the note takers out here. Five points from a guy called Frederick Beekner that I have found the most helpful thing on pain. Here's five things you are likely to do with your pain. The, the head up, heads up is that they're all useless. They don't work. Here they are. First one, forget it/numb it slash ignore it slash numb it. Just squash it down, put it down somewhere, then drink a bit on top of it and eat a bit on top of it and just try and basically keep it down here where you cannot feel it. That's the first thing we do. We get it squashed right down. I have told this story many times where I once weed in a wetsuit and then I went into the sea and the pressure then sprayed it up out of the neck at the top. The, the, you, 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 whatever you squash down and get down there, it will come out in your life. So you cannot do this. So first thing is you try and forget it. The second thing is you get trapped in it. You just cycle around the pain. You know that lying on the pillow? Ah, ah, ah. You, know, you just go round and round and round and cycling around the same thing. The injustices of it. and You build this prison for yourself. So first is you try and numb it and squash it down. The second is you kind of get trapped in it. The third is you make a justi- it your justification. It comes to somehow define you. It becomes your, I am my pain. And you start to live out of that narrative. Like, this is my story. This is who I am. The fourth is you make a joke of it. You laugh it off. Basically just try and mask it by like false positivity. Ah, oh, you know, oh hell yeah. You know, you just kind of like, just kind of like, Try and gloss over it, basically, and the fifth is you compete with it or compare with it, which means you look sideways to other people, and this has either one of two effects. One is you look you look to someone else and you think theirs is so much worse than yours. I've literally had this conversation in the last twenty four hours. It was on, like theirs is so much worse that oh, it's not as, like I, I, I'm fine really, like like look at there's so much worse things going on and so you don't validate what you've got going on and therefore you don't deal with it but the second is you look at others who have got it easier and you're like oh my life is so why is well why is it all just fine for that whatever etc and you start to compare and compete and therefore you take on a victim narrative you take on a victim narrative so these are five things you probably do either try and numb it squash it down get trapped in it, just go cycle round and round and round it. Third, you make it a justification for your existence. You live in the story of it. It takes on your identity. Fourth, you make a joke of it, make light of it, be falsely positive. Or fifth, you compete with it and you compare with others. Or sixth, you do all of them. That could well be the case. I just want to say all of these, I was joking slightly with useless. They actually, actually, humor plays a role. It's actually part of our physiological way of dealing with things for a moment. But if it becomes your only way of dealing with it, it's got no use. Actually, sometimes in trauma, you have to numb it for a bit and at a point you will deal with it. I'm not trying to make light of that. Um, but ultimately, it's not the long-term way to travel through life. And th- they all miss the opportunity, basically, for your pain to be transformed. For your pain to be transformed. And that's what I want to invite you into... As you travel into the new year, how can you take the deaths, the pain of the last year and take them to Jesus to be transformed in in the story that we're reflecting on the Easter story? What happens on that good Friday is two people walk away to Emmaus, right? God, my hope for God didn't turn out to be, and I'm in pain and I'm grieving and I'm in loss. And so I'm walking away and I'm walking away to Emmaus. And what happens is the thing that turns them around is they sit and eat with Jesus, they sit and eat. They meet with him in the midst of their pain. And actually what they are, they are recommissioned through their pain back to Jerusalem. It is your, your pain can actually be your recommissioning where you take on greater authority in the world, greater healing, greater ministry towards others precisely because of your pain. The pain you're in right now can be your recommissioning moment. And it's happened with Peter was the pain of his his shame of his rejection of Jesus three times. And obviously Jesus sits with him and eats with him on the beach and recommissions him from his pain and through his pain for it to be the ministry that he had going forward. So I just want to ask you, um, what are you going to do with your pain, your deaths from the year just gone? And how can they be a recommissioning moment? How can they be a, a moment of transformation for you into the year ahead? Three, I'm going to go quickly. Holy Saturday, death on Friday, silence on Saturday. Absence, Jesus is in the grave. The disciples are locked away in an upper room. They're resting, it's Sabbath, they actually continue to observe the Sabbath. Uh, They they rest, but they're fearful, they're locked away. There's confusion, there's waiting. I, I don't understand and there's, no one's reassuring me right now. And I don't know where to go. Well, I, I, we had a way forward because Jesus was coming and he was going to, but now he's dead. And, and there's silence and there's absence. There's, commu- there's confusion. There's waiting. You'll have had unmet expectations. You'll have experienced death. But just as hard as any of those is confusion, is waiting, is silence really really tough experiences to go through i want to say to you um it's quite a common idea in in spiritual formation sort of disciplines to understand that you have an outer world and an inner world um the outer world is your experience your like uh, circumstances around you and then your inner world is is your inner world your 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 soul your spirit your relationship with jesus um and um I want to say to you that your outer world over 2023, as you look at it, has got heavier. Your outer world has got heavier. Hello, darling. I can see that coming a mile off. Your outer world has got heavier. I want to imagine. Um, can you go on. Go yeah, on. Go, 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 go. I know it's got heavier through two things. If I can keep going, you can keep listening. That's it. Through two things. One, through additions. Over this last year, you picked up more weight on you through addition—maybe a bit more responsibility in a workplace, or managing a bigger budget, or looking after a, a, a relative who's become ill over the last year, or you've had another kid, or whatever it might be—and there's like you've picked up weight. And the question we need to be constantly asking ourselves is: uh, as our outer world gets heavier, is our inner world getting stronger? we more resilient, more dependent on Jesus, more sure of our identity in him so that we can take these weights that are like being added onto us, theologically being added onto Jesus. But just did you get my point for the moment? That's the first thing through addition. But a really, really interesting one is that you've had extra weight put on you through absence, which is the relevance to Holy Saturday. You've had extra weight through addition, but you've had extra weight through absence. And what I mean by that is that question that was at the beginning of the year that you were asking, well, when's this going to happen? When's this breakthrough coming in my life? If it hasn't been answered, then it's just got louder and louder and louder as the year has gone on. And, and oh, I was hoping I might be with someone by now. And that was what you were experiencing at the beginning. Of the end, and, and, and you're still experiencing that now. And so it's got heavier and heavier. So I want to ask you, your outer world is getting heavier through additions and absences, is your inner world, your relationship with Jesus, your sense of identity on him, your trust in him, your faith in him, the depth of your prayer life, the maturity of your soul. Is that getting stronger? Is that getting stronger? Absences waiting is really, really, really hard. And uh, I don't want to minimize that, but I do want to ask you, what do you do with silence? Silence. What do you do with waiting? What do you do with confusion? Do you run to f- to control? Well, I, it, God's not answering it. So I'm going to try and just control it. Get rid of the confusion. Hey, guys. Super fun. Thanks, Granny. Efforty, if you want, it, do you want to go that way, see if you can get past that tree. Go past that tree. Well done. That's amazing. Do you run to control? Try and control all the circumstances of your life so there is no uncertainty. Do you try and do that? Does anyone try and do that? To, to run to solutions that can provide them quicker. Abraham ended up with Hagar because he was waiting so long for the promise of a trial to come about. So he turns to alternative means. There are so many alternative means we can turn to, to meet our needs. Because we've been waiting too long for God to do it. And I just want to say, notice what you do with absence, with waiting. It's really, really significant. And actually, one of the most profound things, if we can make it through Saturday to Sunday, it's one of the most profound things. Fourthly, we're getting there, Easter Sunday, new life birthed. Here's the thing, the unmexpe- unmet expectations are real. They were real. The deaths, real. They happened. The Saturday, Real. It's, it's happening. You might be in it right now. It's real. It's not, it's not false positivity, this. But they are not the final word. They are not the final word. The, unmet, the, the expectation you had and it was disappointed, but it actually turns out that Jesus is way better than what you had designed. In the death, you realize actually there's resurrection afterwards. In the waiting and the unclarity, suddenly there's profound clarity on a Sunday as Jesus is risen from the grave. And so I want to say to you two, two things. One, God is always, he is a God of new things, which we talked about this last term. And he is a God of resurrection power constantly. He is always birthing new life in your life. So I want to ask you, as you look back at 2023, at this moment with my wife, Anna, we were in the kitchen in autumn when, like, they've got, we've got this, like, apple tree in the back garden. And by the way, we have no idea what to do with it. So anyone can tell us what, how you're meant to look after an apple tree. I'd really appreciate that. But she, we walked past it and she was like, oh, you better go and get the new apples. Because they're sitting amongst the rotten apples, and you soon won't be able to tell the difference. And I was like, "Flipping it!" I was like, "That's so profound." And uh, and I was like, "Gosh, yeah, it, we've got to learn to go and find the new life, the good things, what resurrection power, and new life, and new births amidst the rotting apples." Because the deaths are real, the waiting is real, and it can feel like that overwhelms us at times. Part of our discipline as Christians is to look back with with truth to the pain of the year, but not let that define us and go and find the good apples amongst the rotten ones and realize that God is alive. He is at work. And we've got, to, we've got to look for the ways that he is at work in our lives. Pick up those apples, say thank you for them and celebrate the new life that he is forming in us in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our loss. Does that make sense? But also, I, this is my invitation to you as you look forward into the new year. Will you allow Sunday... To be the final word on all the other stuff, the resurrection power of the cross to be the final word on your period of waiting that you're in, <clears throat> on the genuine loss you're going through, etc, etc. They are not the final word. Easter Sunday is the final word. Trust in the resurrection power of Jesus as you look into the year ahead. And fifthly, it's very simply, <clears throat> the other side of the cross is Pentecost. And and uh, this is where the Holy Spirit is poured out and the birth of the church to go and live in the new life that Jesus has won for us on the cross. And I just want to, because of time, I just very simply say this to you. Chasing a godly life from like an earthly Energy is exhausting, relatively doomed to failure. You'll do all right. Do you know what I mean? You can still pick up the Bible and read it. Like you can actually do that. Um, But it's like so many of us, I want to ask you, when you look back at 2023, how much of that year that you've just gone through, did you try and live out of your own strength, your own supply? rather than the supply of God's strength and his power in your life. And so by um, proxy, the invitation of the year ahead is that as you look into it, God wants you to be way more free than you currently are free, way more healed than you are currently healed, closer in proximity to the hurting and the marginalized and the poor than you currently inhabit, far more generous with your money than you currently outwork, more profoundly changed at a heart level than you currently are. God wants all of that for you. And the danger of New Year's Eve is like, right, here we go. I'm going to sort it out. I'm finally going to get a hold of myself. My best self's coming through in the next year. And it's like, to a certain extent, I get it. Like, I do get it. But it's like, we will not live in the profound life of the kingdom without the profound supply of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if you look back and you review the year, which I might, sorry, there's an an invitation to you, like, do actually do this. I do actually review the year. How much of what you're experiencing right now is because you tried to do it all in your own strength? It's like, I honestly think this is like gravity for Christians. It's like, oh, here I am back again. You know, like. In my own strength, doing it in my own strength, with my own perspective, designing God to be like how I want him to be. And you know all that sort of stuff. And actually, um, so it's just so easy to end up back there. So my, my invitation to you, my like, request is like looking into the year ahead. How can it be a, a life, the life that God has called you to, how can it be supplied by the power of the Holy Spirit? So, those are the five things that I'd invite you to review and do. But I would also love to pray into them now. And the kids seem really happy back there. So, Lucy, if you're up for coming up and just leading us in the room. Uh, if you're not familiar with spazils, we, we, we don't. Just, I don't want to just talk about this stuff. We'd love to pray and, uh, and invite us to, um, yeah, take God, take God at his word that he wants to be at work in your life today, moving forward. Um, and so, would you be up for that, just standing? And um, we're going to worship and just, and I'm going to invite people forward to, to be prayed for. Does that sound okay? Why don't we stand um, where we are? That would be wonderful.